Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Huddle. I'm really excited today. I have a guest, Tammy Jo Schultz, and we're, we're going to talk about a lot of things that you have done in your life. Uh, but, but just to start, Tammy Jo was the, the captain, the pilot, of a plane in 2018 in April that many of you would have seen or heard about that lost an engine in flight, and you were able, along with your crew, to safely land the aircraft in a very tumultuous situation, I'm sure. But before we talk about that event, I'd love to talk about you, how you started and got into aviation. And I'm just curious, was it the path you chose? Did it go the way you thought? Right. But how did you get from a, a student in high school to becoming a, a, a commercial pilot? Right. Well, I would have to say I didn't grow up around aviation. I grew up underneath it as the jets from Holloman Air Force Base anchored their dogfighting practice over our big hay barn. So as I was usually mucking out stalls, I would watch that air show and just think, that looks a lot more exciting than what I'm doing. <laughs> what you're doing there. And uh, so that was really what spurred the idea. And then um, just kind of following that, reading about airplanes and, and pilots. And uh, eventually I wound up in the Navy. In the Navy. And did you start thinking I'd go to the Navy? Was there any other choice? And was that the first time you flew? Um, I, I tried the Air Force. They weren't quite ready for women yet. And then the Army, they weren't either. And the Navy was open about, well, take a test. And uh, certainly we were a good fit. Uh, I, I took a couple of kind of show me flights in a, in a Cessna there in Roswell, New Mexico before I, I went into the Navy. Uh, the old uh, Cessna Discovery flight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great way to start. And so you you enlist in the Navy. Um, I'm assuming. How old were you at that time? Well, I didn't enlist. I, I went through college because they had told me at career day that girls don't fly for a living, and uh, so I thought, well, I don't need a hobby. I, I I need a job. So I went on to college and studied something different, and then I met. Uh, a woman getting her wings in the Air Force there in Enid, Oklahoma, when I went to a friend's winging, and I thought, okay, there is a way under the fence or around it, and that's what got me digging back into it after college. So I, I went through AOCS, which is a commissioning source for pilots yeah, in the yeah. Navy. Talk about then what you learned from that experience. There was there were limitations placed on you. You decided that you weren't going to let them be there. You worked through it, became a fighter pilot onto commercial aviation. So what did you learn from all that as an individual? You know, one, there was a couple of ground lessons that I think were really good for me to learn that I hope I passed on to my children. And that is, uh, first of all, when you're told no, find out if that's an answer or an opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever I went to career day, the colonel in charge said, uh, this is career day, not hobby day. You need to go find something girls can do. And I sat down just because it wasn't my school. I hadn't signed up for anything else. I had nowhere to go. And I listened to it and was very inspired, but left there thinking, okay, I, I guess I can't do this. My guidance counselor agreed with the colonel, and I went on. And I, I just think, you know, sometimes when you're told no, not to be defiant, but just to find out, okay, is that a, an opinion or is that a real answer? And then one that serves me well to this day is, Never let an offense get in the way of an opportunity. There were so many offenses that were, were in my path, and I, I had to look at my dad's example, honestly, and, and look at some of the hurdles that he overcame in farming and ranching and realize, 
you know, everybody has hurdles they have to get through. Everybody, uh, you know, has a chance to be offended, uh, and rightfully so. But that can't define us. That has to be something that we we let it be peripheral to our mission. Mm-hmm. And so in every one of these situations, you continue to work at it, overcome. I, and I talk to business leaders all the time that one of the things I hear quite frequently is the people that really achieve all that they, they, they thought they could have, they run to problems. They don't run away from problems. They take on the difficult right. things. And when other people won't do things, they're the ones that just jump in and do it. And so as a result of what you did, I'm sure since then, then you opened up a path for many other women to follow in, in the path you took. Well, I, I hope so. And that's another, I think that's a whole nother chapter in whatever we do. I think we need to be mindful of, are we opening the door in a way that it stays open for those behind us? Uh, because sometimes when you're, you're first through the jungle, you have to carry a machete to get through the tangle, but make sure that you use it in a way that it keeps the trail open. Yeah, very good, very good. So after the Navy, um, you went on to, I'm, I'm assuming then the airlines after that? You know, I flew one summer over forest fires uh, in the air attack position, and uh, which was very wonderful. Uh, and then I got my ATP, uh, I'm sorry, not my ABTP, my um, type rating in the 737 and got hired by Southwest. So I flew for Southwest for 27 years. And so in the flight in, in April 2018, mm-hmm. you're, you're going from LaGuardia to Dallas. Right. Just pick it up from there and, and love for people to hear about how you processed what was going on, how you kept okay. the team working together, and, and you had some examples clearly of what not to do. Right. Well, it was our second leg that day. Darren Elliser was my first officer, and my flight attendants were Catherine Sandoval, Shanique Mallory, and Rachel Fernheimer. I think one of the things that we can often get um, it, it, in commercial airlines, you often fly with different people every day. Not in the cockpit so much. Sometimes you're, you're grouped together for a week together or a month. but. Uh, our our cabin crew often changes even throughout the day. So I think it's really important that they're not just team members, that they all have names. And I had a great crew that day, and we headed out of LaGuardia, uh, headed to Dallas. And about 32, 33,000 feet, we had an explosion. Uh, Darren and I had just listened to air traffic control call out crossing traffic that was coming near us. And so when we had this sensation, first of all, the explosion and then being T-boned by a Mack truck on the right side or the left side on the captain's side, we both thought we'd been hit by another aircraft. It was so sudden. We did a snap roll past 40 degrees to the left, dove down and skidded sideways. And um, so, of course, the natural reaction in pilots is to grab the yoke or the stick, and we both had a hold of the yoke, used the, the rudders to straighten out the aircraft and slowly level the wings and pull up a bit. And uh, that just kind of was the beginning. Usually, you, you hit a, a speed bump of something and it, and it settles down, but this one just seemed to crescendo. The, the noise became deafening and, and smothered every other sound, and the shuddering was such that we couldn't focus our eyes on, on checklists or, or instrumentation, and there was a cloud of smoke in, pulled into the cockpit and condensation, and then we realized we weren't breathing very well either. So we knew there'd been a compromise in the cabin, and we were, we'd lost an engine, 
and we had lost pressurization. And, you know, just to kind of get your mind wrapped around some of that, everybody knows what a rapid depressurization is. If they realize when a balloon pops, that's a rapid depressurization, and it's just air equalizing pressure rapidly and with force. So all of this was going on, um, you know, all at once. And Darren and I needed to get our oxygen masks on. And, and then uh, just trusting our team. We, we had had a, a good chance to brief, first of all, taking the time to brief face-to-face uh, and have a dialogue rather than just a captain's monologue about what we're going to do that day. I think really helped us to all understand where each other were coming from and to trust, trust each other and, and be very open about what we need, when we need it, if we couldn't do it. You know, just those seamless, I'm going to give you information, I'm going to use some of it, I, I can't use that, and move on. And I will always admire my team. Sure, sure. And there's a lesson, I think, in there about the difference in, in a to-do list and a checklist. Oh, definitely. And, and sometimes I think, in, in, even in business, people confuse the two and assume that the checklist is what I need to do. A checklist is to check to make sure you did the important things after you made some decisions. Right. Because the decisions aren't static given the situation that we find ourselves in. Right. So the, uh, the cover of our emergency book in the Boeing says, maintain aircraft control, analyze the problem, take appropriate action, and maintain situational awareness. And you can't really get stuck in any of those. It has to be a hamster Just wheel that you keep going. And, and taking appropriate action may be pulling out the checklist. It may be maintaining aircraft control and situational awareness and come back to that. Right. So, yeah. right, that rotating, uh, don't get stuck in one. Don't get stuck in it's aviate, navigate, then communicate. And, and in, right. our, in our business, keeping airspeed up to me is you've, you've got to always focus on the top line and keeping customers happy. And then when things happen, some people continue that part of the role and others may have to peel off to deal with other situations as they emerge. Right. But it can't be so so polarizing that everyone runs to one because then you're either not considering everything you should for your team and your people or right. you let the operation go because of some kind of distraction or event that happens and neither work. You have to do both at the same time. Right. And that whole division of labor. Mm-hmm. Is I've, I've been asked a number of times, well, how did you focus on flying when there were so many people in the back? And I, I think, well, I had flight attendants that I trusted, and they had done such a good job when there wasn't an emergency and been very warm and compassionate to people when they were coming on at 5 in the morning. You know, I wasn't worried about how they were going to take care of the passengers because they had been compassionate and, and good to them before. So I didn't think a crisis would change that. Right, and we always hear on a flight that the flight attendants are here primarily for our safety right. and some other things, but safety right. is first. Right, yeah. yeah, so role clarity is important. Well, it is great of you, fantastic that you take the time to talk to us. There are so many lessons about what you learned in your entire career, but uh, I just wanna say your, your, your career to me is truly an inspiration for so many people that you, you did not. You didn't, you didn't accept no. You found a way, and you did things that others couldn't. And we're proud of you for it. And thank you for your service. Ah, oh, thank you. Sure. Very much.